This is episode 281 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of Two Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know if you're pregnant and want step-by-step guidance on how to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, how to prepare mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing, how to have your partner feel confident to support you during birth, and how to navigate a smoother postpartum recovery, my Bump to Birth Method online program is available for you to join. It's three programs in one, covering pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery, plus you get lifetime access to the program content and bonuses. Bump to Birth Method is my on-demand, self-paced online program where you can learn from the comfort of your own home through video and audio lessons on how to best connect to your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy beyond traditional Kegels, strategies to help common pregnancy pains and pelvic floor symptoms, my top strategies to prepare your mind, body, and pelvic floor for labor, how to best support you and your pelvic floor during pushing, key strategies for your partner to support you during labor, and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum. Bonuses include expert interviews, core and pelvic floor yoga class, three strength training workouts, hospital and home birth bag lists, meditation tracks for pregnancy, birth, and postpartum recovery. Whether you're preparing for your first or fifth birth, if you're ready to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, feel fully prepared mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum recovery, then head to the show notes or go to bumptobirthmethod.com to see what other expecting moms have said about bump to birth and to enroll today. So welcome back to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And today I have a special guest on Mandy Irby to discuss all about informed consent when it comes to birth. And you may know Mandy from Instagram as at the birth nurse, but if you don't know her, she is a board certified labor nurse with 13 years of experience supporting survivors of assault and trauma through pregnancy, birth planning, and at their bedside during their childbirth and pregnancy loss. As a nurse, parent, educator, and multi-passionate entrepreneur, Mandy is inspired by the transformative experience of childbirth, and she is on a mission to make human rights and autonomy the center of today's birth culture through education, coaching, and consulting. And so you can clearly see why I wanted Mandy on to talk about informed consent, because she's a perfect guest for this. So thank you and welcome for coming on. Hey, Anita, thank you so much for having me. This is great. 
Yeah. So anything you'd like to share as well with our audience that I didn't touch on in your bio, I know we talked about before we hit record that you're diving even more into the educator side for nurses, which I think is amazing to be able to share more of your knowledge with the profession itself. Yes. And birth trauma, birth, traumatic birth experiences are multi-sided, right? They're, it's not any one person's responsibility or one aspect's responsibility. So I always am trying to be very clear about that. Mm -hmm. And in my work as well, love teaching parents, love working with parents one-on-one, but, (laughs) and, (laughs) and we can all learn more about traumatic birth and traumatic birth prevention. Yes, exactly. Well, why don't we start off with in terms of informed decision-making, like what does that actually mean? Because I think so many are hearing more about informed consent, but don't often hear the other side that there's also informed refusal that you can actually say no, even once you get the information, right? So if you want to dive into that, let's go through what is informed decision-making actually mean? Yeah, the language is super confusing. Um, And even with professionals, informed decision-making, informed consent, shared decision-making. Mm-hmm. I like informed decision-making and I've kind of adopted that as the regular because to me, it sounds more like what it what those decisions should be. And it should be a reconstruction of the power dynamic within healthcare. Mm-hmm. And that requires consumers of healthcare, which are the folks giving birth and mm-hmm. everyone around there, which is the doulas and the team, and the professionals to really understand, identify, and be very intentional that the birthing person mm-hmm. is the boss. Yes. yeah. They have the power. They make all the decisions. They are going into healthcare wanting a consultant, wanting a lot of support, and they may have a lot of needs, but ultimately they're needing all of the information necessary to make the best decision for themselves at that time. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think that's great for listeners to hear all, all those sides to it, right? And that it is uh, like there are many parts to this in terms of informed decision making. So, in terms of when it comes to birth, because I have heard this before, which I was surprised to hear and yet not at the same time, is when it comes to informed consent, does birth itself? make that any different than if you were to make informed consent during any other event? Did you hear that it is a different time? I've, I have heard that, that sometimes it's, there is the implied consent when it comes to birth, which I thought it would be good to dive into because this of all the time, I think, I mean, so many times informed consent needs to happen in life, but this is such a time that informed consent is imperative because of how this experience will affect someone going forward as well. Yes, you nailed it right there. It is a transformative, life-changing experience, period. It is just the t- one of those times when our onion layers are open and we are vulnerable for growth, right? For power, for evolving, for becoming, transitioning. And because of that, it it is way more important to understand what's going on and to feel safe and secure and in control of those things that we can feel safe, we can feel in control of. Mm-hmm. To simply answer your question, 
you answered it. Yes, it's yeah. even more important. No, it is not legally any different. Mm-hmm. However, you don't get less choices because you are carrying another person, but it is more um, politicized. Other people think that they can have an opinion about who's making choices, but but no, it's it's an informed choice that the birthing person makes for themselves, for the baby, however they are making their decisions. And they are getting input from whomever and however they choose to get input from. That could be Google, that could be me and you, that could be their provider, their nurse, their partner, their family, their past history, which is what that trauma-informed care brings in is like they have, everyone has these experiences that shape who we are and how we make decisions and how we confront challenges and choices. And so they're bringing in a whole package. Every person is bringing in a whole package to their decision-making. And it's not just, I consent to this. And once I'm here, I'll just be on the conveyor belt of choices. Mm -hmm. That's what I always talk about with clients and my online students of like, informed consent is not like a form that you sign when you first go in. It is an ongoing discussion and ongoing um you know, narrative around that, that everything, just because you signed a paper at the start does not mean that you can't change your mind and that individual suggestions or interventions that come up, you can't, you can't change in terms of what, if you agree or don't agree, right? In terms of it's, because I think that gets lost because as soon as you sign these papers, you think, okay, well, I guess I don't get to necessarily make choices beyond that because I did sign. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I wish I had like a I talk a lot of in my YouTube videos about um, hospital policy, like body rules and facility rules. Mm-hmm. And that consent form is not a body rule. It doesn't rule over your body. It doesn't make choices for you. That consent form is a hospital rule mm-hmm. that their lawyers make them have for lawyer reasons. It doesn't mean because you're at a teaching hospital, you have to have students or because you said yes to someone doing something, then they're your provider for forever. None of that. And like you said, it is, it's, it's totally ongoing. It's tap into your intuition, ask more advice as, and get more information as you go further. You're making the best choice with the information you have. If you get new information, like your body said, I'm not feeling it. Mm -hmm. Then the answer is no, it's explicit. Mm -hmm. And it's not, oh, well, you know, I walked into my appointment and, and if it's confusing, it is absolutely confusing for professionals too. I had a conversation with a colleague and, and he was wanting to learn. And so I give this example because he was, he was, he was asking and he came to me and he said, you know, this, and, and I want to do better and I want to learn. And I don't feel like, you know, I feel like my patients tell me things and I say, they don't, there's plenty of things your patients don't tell you that are part of their life. And he said, well, because I was saying everything is a choice, every single thing. Imagine what you do for helping your patients. That's a choice that they have made for you to help them. Imagine all of the things that you offer. That's their choice to make, to decide if they want that. And, and it was this language that was tripping him up and he was kind of thinking, and I could see his wheels turning. And then he said, but they come, my, my patients, he's OBGYN, they come into the office for a pap smear. And I said, yes, they drove themselves there and they go into the waiting room and they sit down. That does not mean they're getting a pap smear. They made an appointment 
and they walked their ass in and they sat in a chair. That's all that means. They gave consent to go through the door. They gave consent to sit in the chair. So then he said, well, when they come into the, my office or the exam room, I assume they're getting a pap smear. I was like, that is great, but no, <laughs> they may be charged for one and they may use that whole time as a consult. What is a pap smear about? What are you going to do? Because they haven't gotten any information about that. Anyone mm -hmm. who has a cervix, how many times have you gotten like pre-exam packet in the mail of like, where's your cervix? We don't get it. We don't have that. We have to either go find it or we go to the source. It's like, hey, how do you do it? What's a non-negotiable for you? Do I have to, I, I heard I had to be naked. Do I have to be naked? I said, are you going to do a pap smear on someone who just wants to sit and ask questions for 15 minutes and then you build them and then that that's it? And they come back six months later? He was like, no. Well, and he wanted to say, but why would they make an appointment for a pap smear? And I said, because they, they need a console, mm -hmm. but you wouldn't like come at them with a speculum. And he was like, no. And he was like, getting it. He was like, oh, okay. Okay. I was like, it's a choice that has to be continuously made. And they didn't have enough information. Mm -hmm. So it's confusing for professionals as well. They're taught all kinds of wrong things about mm -hmm. like, um, about implied consent, which is not real. Yeah. Yeah. And even kind of relating that even to a cervical exam during birth, right? That it's, yeah. there's many of the same things. And as, as a pelvic physio, it's like a lot of times I'll explain to clients, I'm like, this will be probably different than you have experience. I kind of relate it to a pap exam because that's what most will, you know, relate an internal exam to. And I'm like, I show them with the pelvic model. These we've already gone through things ahead of time, their pelvic floor and all that. I'll explain this is what I would be doing. I show them on the model first. I ask them if that's something that feels like would be helpful for them. We explain the benefits, the risks, and then I don't have to do an, an internal. We can actually do other things to also be able to address your pelvic floor and then asking for consent. And then even after I leave, they get draped. We go through everything, even before the internal, asking them again in terms of consent for that and also letting them know they can withdraw their consent at any time even during the internal and that's not an issue at all so I think it's just a lot of I have a lot of clients who are just like no one ever explains no. these things like it's usually a big surprise of when things are happening during a pap but then also relating to birth with the cervical exam a lot of People think like, I guess this is just part of it. Yes, this is just what I do. But as we both know, I mean, there's so like once people hear like, no, actually you can ask benefits, risks, alternatives, and you can decide if it feels like the right choice for you in that time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, I had no idea that, that I could do that. So along those lines too, like, do you find with your experience as an L&D nurse, and it can be, I find it's provider dependent, but I'd love to hear kind of how, how you see it um, through your work is benefits, risks, alternatives. Do you find that's typically given? Do you find when patients ask about it, are they given that information? Kind of what has that looked like throughout your career? Yeah, it's definitely provider dependent. I'm making a note because I want to go back to your comment. We can even, if you want to jump back to it now, that's totally fine. And we can go back to this one too. Okay. I'm jumping back because I'll forget and I won't be yeah. able to write the note. So, okay. Yeah. To go, to quickly go back to what you just said mm -hmm. uh, about how you obtain or, you know, have that informed consent discussion or informed mm -hmm. choice discussion where you are having to be very um, overt about mm -hmm. explanation and very intentional mm -hmm. about 
are we both on the same page? Double checking, checking in. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, this is so familiar. This is so familiar. One, the only, Mm -hmm. the first time that that was the case for me was with a midwife. And I'm sure you talk a lot about different types of providers, but this Mm -hmm. particular midwife I had known going in Mm -hmm. was um, trained in this way. And it was just life-changing. Like it's, it's gendered violence to do an internal exam any other way. So if it feels like someone's crossing a line and you're like, I guess this is what we're doing back up. Cause all of us on this other side are like, Nope, that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Even though we have, we have now the internet where we're able to, and like podcasts where we're able to be like, Oh no, we don't do that anymore. We're not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like the TikToks where are we doing bangs anymore? Are we doing like <laughs> skinny jeans or not skinny jeans anymore. We're in charge of our cervical exams anymore. That's what we're doing. And mm-hmm. I I was like, this is familiar in another way. I'm teaching mm-hmm. a trauma-informed cervical exam workshop to labor and delivery nurses. And I was editing it and kind of reviewing it the other day because I taught it. It's two years old. And it's bomb. It's so good. I was like, man, this is amazing. I don't need to edit much at all. And I was just listening and I was like, God, I want everyone to have this. So PS, this is not what we're taught. Yeah. So when your listeners go to have an exam, I want them to hear that they are the experts in their body and they mm-hmm. may be the only ones, probably the only ones, absolutely the only ones who know what a safe exam feels like for them. Mm-hmm. And it might feel like, oh my God, am I driving this bus? Like, I I thought we had a bus driver today, but apparently I'm driving the bus. And that is what yeah. it feels like. And it and yeah. it's okay to feel like you're driving the bus. Like you're in a room full of professionals and you're still like, mm, no, we're going to, we're going to actually not use the stirrups. And I'd like to put my feet on the bottom of the bed. And I, in whatever fashion you say that in to make it okay, that actually is okay. And if it feels safer for you then they should be going with the flow. Like that is how we're doing it. And Mm -hmm. so coming up with those things of checking in with your intuition, checking with your body, if you can develop that as a person with a cervix going into the healthcare, going in for healthcare, which is tough, then practice and hone that. And the other question you ask is very Mm -hmm. much related to that, but, but continue to check in because Mm -hmm. you're the driver of that experience in order to make it safe. And right now, currently the the default setting is not trauma-informed. It is not feeling safe for most people. And I've talked to millions of people about these exams mm-hmm. and have been present for thousands. And I and I can say it is not default feeling good, but it, but it can. And mm-hmm. you asked about making those decisions. And do you teach the BRAIN acronym? Because I love the BRAIN acronym. Yeah. 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 It's like old school, but it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for partners to know too, I find partners go, I didn't even know, you know, during birth that I could ask. Cause I'm like, well, your partner might be going through labor and in, you know, in the zone. And then someone comes in and says, okay, it's time for a cervical exam or time. And so many partners are like, I knew I could ask questions and I knew what my partner wanted. And if something wasn't, you know, medically needed, which I know can be a whole other conversation Mm -hmm. around that. But in terms of, I just feel like it also gives 
partners a way to also speak up because I'm like, you know your partner more than anyone else who's in that room. And if you talk about your preferences, if you talk, like if they're educated about being prepared and how to support that brain acronym can make such a difference in someone's birth. Yeah. I, I love it. It's so Mm -hmm. handy. I love having it in different places. I'm going into hospitals now and doing like whole team trainings and um, consulting on their units. And I, these are things that I see. I'm like, you need this, you need this in your space. You need these educational materials. You need brain acronym on the wall. So everyone can help go through that because default is path of least resistance. And why do we do path of least resistance inside of healthcare, which seems silly because healthcare is based on facility centered care. The, the facility is a big business, big corporation. Their bottom line is keeping the lights on, being profitable. As much as it's gross, that's how it is. No matter where you are, mm-hmm. they're not going to sit all day with you and like run through all of these things for run through tests that aren't needed. Like they're not going to pour money into people. They have to be a business. So their, their bottom line is, is efficiency and, Mm -hmm. um, hospitals, at least in the U S are very much like a, um, an assembly line. Uh, they learned from Toyota to do like, um, oh, I, I was talking about this just yesterday and I forgot the name, but the name of it, but it is like just in time manufacturing mm-hmm. is how they base their healthcare. So people feel like, oh, I'm just on an assembly line. Yes. It was actually made exactly like a car assembly line. Mm-hmm. So they, they want, not every individual doesn't think this consciously, like your provider doesn't think, oh my God, we got to go, go, go. But the facility, the system has put in place so many patients for one person to care for so much charting for every nurse to do so many, you know, needs that are outside of that patient care that Sometimes the default is, okay, this is what we normally do. Do you have any questions? And you're like, questions? I like literally, oh, don't understand two of those words and I need to go look them up. So yes, going through brain can help slow down that process in a really kind of like natural way. And when I teach childbirth ed, I always say, go practice in safer places that don't have the like, is this not crucial that, you know, the decisions you make at the library don't impact two people's livelihoods, right? Mm-hmm. Or you go to the car dealership or the car fix place, which I find extraordinarily activating. <laughs> it's like a male dominated. I always get like talked down to, and I'm always like, it doesn't have to be that expensive. Make it less money. Mm-hmm. And they're like, <laughs> and I go through brain and I'm like, what, what are the benefits? What would you yeah. put on your car? And I go through the whole thing. Yeah. And what, what helps in a place where it, I, I, I can't imagine car parts. Like, I just don't know what they're talking about mm-hmm. as choice. Like I choose to pay people to do those things for me, but I still like want to know what I'm paying for. I say, mm-hmm. paint me the picture. If we do this, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And then they have to go down the and I'm like that person. They're like, oh. and then, okay, it, I don't want to do, I don't want to actually pay more than a hundred dollars. So if we don't do any of these, and I did this recently and, and he said, oh, well, you know, I, it, it'd be fine. You could drive it out the lot, but I think you'd be back in six months and, you know, it'd be the, and I'm like, oh, that totally helps. Cause I don't know any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so in healthcare, you could do and should do the exact same thing. Okay. Well, if we wait, what happens? 
well, I have a C-section and I won't be able to come back for five hours. You're kind of like, bonus. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I actually like that better. Let's do that. Mm -hmm. And so you're really having um, more of a level playing field discussion and everyone kind of knows the, the, the layout, the canvas, the situation, the setting, because there is some inherent vulnerability to being a patient in a, in healthcare. You don't Mm -hmm. work there. You're not familiar with what's going on. You have less say over those systems things. And so getting information and pulling it out from them is like, we're on the same page here. Like what's going on? What happens if we don't, I don't, I don't really want to do that right now. Mm -hmm. What happens when I don't do that? And then they can go step-by-step well, I, I, I don't know. I've never had anyone say that. You're like, oh, great information. Yes. We're all new to this. Cool. I think we can figure something yeah. out though. Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting when you brought that up about, you know, the, the system or typically things I was talking to a client yesterday it was her last appointment before giving birth, done all the birth prep. She was, we talked about brain. She was like, I'm so grateful I learned that and that, you know, her partner had learned that. And then she was talking about her last prenatal appointment, going through a couple of things. And, and she's like, well, they said, typically, this is what happens. And I said, how do you feel about that? And she goes, well, I never would have known to ask more questions if I didn't know I could ask more questions. Because that's the thing is like, if everything is like typically, but we're all very individual. Right. And so, and come with individual experiences to our birth. So it's, it's kind of how you said, like, there is the system and how things happen and, you know, moving people along and all that mm-hmm. too. But in the same way, I'm like, we need that individualized patient centered care. And I have clients who, you know, come to see me, they've had past weather trauma experiences often um, in the medical system. And they're like, I, they come to me at the start of pregnancy and they're like, I, I very anxious about my birth and I need to work on this. So I want to physically prepare, but also mentally and have the ability to know what can I ask? I want to understand why things are being recommended because I've had poor experiences in the past. So, Mm -hmm. and I think that even goes back to our chat about cervical exams. I'm like, how we can start decreasing that trauma from continuing is Mm -hmm. the informed consent around an internal in any capacity. So I will in here, we go through that because I'm like, I don't want you to lie there in the frozen state in your state of just like, just go ahead and do this because that's what they're used to with an internal. I'm like, that's not going to help your nervous system, right? You need to be in control of this experience because that's going to be one step to actually help your nervous system in moving forward. So I remind them when it comes to birth, that's also part of it. Someone is, is recommending that they internally go into your body. And like, that is, that is your home, right? So even with that, like it really helps if someone has had past trauma, all the stuff around informed consent is going to be kind of that one step forward versus feeling like another step back. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I love working with folks. Um, with a history of trauma, which is the majority of folks. Yeah. Um, and we can work one-on-one and get into each step further. And we have more time to do that together where they're like, nope, I have this. And it's a hard no. Can my baby still come out? <laughs> or like, let's work through that. Mm-hmm. Not through the trauma. Let's work through the strategy is how mm-hmm. we we go about it. And that's what you're doing as well is, you know, is this optional? Let's find mm-hmm. out. Let's figure it out. And earlier, the better. So if yeah. someone is feeling like, I'm only 16 weeks. When's the best time to start going through this now? 
Yeah. The minute you think about it is the best time to start going. I'm not pregnant yet. Now's the best time to start going through that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's lifelong. Like this is going to benefit you for forever. Like you said, someone freezes during an exam. That is an example of you as the physiotherapist Mm -hmm. having what we think is the goal. Okay. We want to get this information. We're all agreement. Yes. Let's get this information. The way to do that internal. Great. Got it. Everyone's good. we got it. Mm -hmm. Repeat check. Yes. We still want the information. Good. Mm -hmm. That consumer, the birthing person, Mm -hmm. the patient, your client's goal is also to leave whole. Like you said, Mm -hmm. no more dents, no more holes, Mm -hmm. no more trauma, no more Mm -hmm. activation. Like we need to reprogram. And this is an opportunity where we can reprogram to, I am strong. I am powerful. I'm getting through this mm-hmm. differently than maybe it's happened in the past. Maybe I can, mm-hmm. we can do this differently and I can be in control. And if I were in control, hell yeah, it would be very different. So mm-hmm. let's, you know, that can be where that transformation happens of it's, it's healing and, and it, it, it helps put someone onto a different path. So during that exam, they freeze. Mm-hmm that might mean that they are not able, they're not anymore meeting the goal of getting out of this hole. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, potentially like that discussion would have to happen ahead of time because you're still getting information, goal met, goal met, let's finish the exam. Mm-hmm. Well, that person is like, no longer that's the priority. The priority mm-hmm. is wholeness, let's pause. Mm-hmm. And so being able to say that is work, it takes practice, it's wholeness. Yeah. It's, right? You need a lot of support with you. So having, like you said, the partner having to going through this stuff, not knowing if it's going to happen, but what if it does happen? What's the partner's job, right? What do we expect Mm -hmm. them to do? What do we expect the provider to do? What do you expect the nurse to do? Um, We can't go through every single situation that might happen, but Mm -hmm. your priority of of getting through your experience whole and Mm -hmm. psychologically, emotionally whole and safe is priority over, mm-hmm. but we want to know what your service is, but we want to, we want to feel your pelvic floor muscles. No, we can, mm-hmm. we can eventually yeah. maybe, but it has to be in the, in the safe way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like with birth, it would be great to hear from you. And ter- I know you said kind of as an L and D nurse, and I feel like I actually see a lot of L and D nurses. Cause they're like, we don't learn anything about the pelvic floor component, oh, yeah. but even kind of what you um, mentioned about even just informed consent, how you find in your education when you were going through education how that was brought up was it brought up and then kind of did how did you see that play out when you're actually working with patients yeah totally different yeah 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 Mm -hmm. well like you and I just described it playing out is this living breathing ongoing conversation it Mm -hmm. in school is a form or the question or the question and a form Mm -hmm. you know we're told like do patient education but we're not told and we're told do patient education on a level that they understand and teach back like you can have a patient teach back what you just said but then in practice What's so common is manipulative language that makes it really confusing to know if there are other choices. And what's not told in nursing school is that we might feel pressure to not give all of the choices based on certain providers or certain facilities that we're in based on that culture. 
because no one wants to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And we're also told a lot of misinformation also, like if a patient leaves their insurance, well, in the US, there's this rumor that if a patient leaves their insurance won't cover their stay, which is false, but I was told that within the culture of healthcare. And so I felt, it's all a lie. (laughs) (laughs) And it's actually, and that's what I said in my class that I was editing. I was like, it's, it's more powerful to give that information and give that power to our patients. And that's what it's all about. It's their experience to experience. It's their body. It's their experience. So I then transitioned into giving more information than I had ever given, even when I didn't know if it was available. When they would say, I want an induction, but I don't want Pitocin. I'm like, oof, all right, well. And so my brain now naturally goes, we will just have to, let's talk about that. Like, let's see what that looks like cool. That's like a challenging puzzle. But from school, I was told that's not how we do it. We just have to consent for the ways that we do inductions and we do inductions usually with Pitocin. Like you can try, but I've never seen it, Mm -hmm. which is not the language that opens up someone to an individual experience. That's closed down language and and, Mm -hmm. an open language, a creative like team language would be cool. Let's, let's, we've got a lot of talking to do. Let's mm-hmm. talk about what options we have and what that might look like. Uh, so yeah, very different than school. It's And it's similar to a, the other labor and delivery nurses that I'm in touch with. They're like, this is not how we were taught. We were taught that if we saw the consent, then we signed that we saw it. And it was more about like capturing that signature as like a one and done than about the discussion and the ongoing and how there's an article that just came out recently that I have to write a letter to the editor about. I don't have to, I get to, because it's (laughs) my profession and it's my responsibility, but they were talking about implied consent. So it's still very ongoing. It's still the the Mm -hmm. shift is toward trauma-informed care, but um, there's a lot of professionals still using that old paternalistic top-down, like, you're here for your, our help. We tell you what to do. Do you have any questions kind of thing? Not, do you have any other ideas that would make you the safest? I might feel uncomfortable with them, but I'm open for hearing and let's have a discussion. Mm-hmm. That's the new standard of care. Right, right. <laughs> and even, because I know you said like you're doing a lot of educating with nurses. How do you educate around, I guess, like, for example, because we were talking about cervical exams. hmm how do you educate them on like providing information to the patient ahead of time to be able to make that informed decision? Yeah. Like how to kind of talk through that. We'll talk about that kind of specific um, procedure, because again, it's one that people just assume like, this is going to happen. I'm going to need to do this, but it'd be great to hear kind of how you educate around it. Sure. So mm-hmm there's no way to give informed choice or make an informed choice if you don't know what you're making a choice about. Mm -hmm. And so we would have to discuss what is an internal exam? How is it done? Um, It's subjective. It's done with a person's fingers inside your vagina to touch the cervix and feel and guess how much, how open it is, how soft it is. And if they can feel the baby's head measuring that against the bones of the body of the pelvis. And some people don't know that. And so that's a starting point. Mm-hmm. And 
that just that alone is like they're like oh well and their brain their their wheels start turning like is this something that I'm okay with which is great and it's a lot of times young folks are like I didn't know it was that young folks who haven't gotten a pap smear or haven't had an internal exam or they just said no Mm -hmm. like I don't want that I don't want that I don't want that then they get to the hospital and they're like no we pretty much really 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 want to or even tell you that you have to and they're like what is that so yes it would start with what is it what am I making a decision about and then why are we doing it Mm -hmm. truthful honest direct is what we teach direct Mm -hmm. honest truthful information do -hmm. not sugarcoat anything do not guess anything do not shortcut anything you are talking to someone who's owner, who is the owner of the cervix mm-hmm. and, and you will be tested, which is what I would always think because I'd come out on the other side and be like, oh no, I couldn't reach it. Or it's the same. And like, we're not doing anything differently. And then what was going, what was the whole point of going through all of that? Mm-hmm. And so that has to happen early because then on the other side, that human who owns the cervix has to you know be like cool all right I still I'm so glad we did it here here we are with the information Mm -hmm. that we have instead of what now we're not going to do anything and you're going to want to do that two hours from now or four hours from now Mm -hmm. so what are we looking for what information can we get what information can we not get Mm -hmm. what are the risks holy I could break your water Mm -hmm. and then brain can kick in and their partner might say oh what happens then Mm-hmm. So talking about a cervical exam is like a yeah. childbirth ed class. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It just it keeps going, be. right? It because... does. What happens if your water breaks? Oh, that's a great question. Well, your group made a stroke positive mm-hmm. and it's early, right? You were one centimeter last time. Mm-hmm. So now we talk about that's a pretty substantial risk that someone might feel like they, I'm going on like 20 hours of penicillin because you accidentally break my water and we're not going to change the plan of care if mm-hmm. I'm still one like pass hard pass on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. If you pass on that, then here's what I recommend. We can continue this or this. And then it's the discussion of what are our choices and what are the goals, mm-hmm. right? Are we still on the same page with goals? How are we feeling? What, what might the timeline look like? It's a, it's a sit down conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think the key thing, like what information is it going to give? Yes. Right. Cause that's what I tell clients too. And we go through, you know, like even well, cervical exams in pregnancy, right? Like what information is that going to give you? You could right. go from zero to be giving birth in a very short period of time. So what is that going to give you? And even during labor, right? So I think that's so key you brought up of like, that is a big part of it. What is, what does this mean? It shouldn't just be for the sake of doing it. Um, and also I think a lot of people don't always realize too, like you might be like in your zone and you're laboring, you're on right. hands and knees, you're standing, and then you realize, oh, you can only do a cervical exam if I turn over on my back. And there's definitely, I know, care providers who, sure. you know, try in other positions, but it's I would tough. say that's not the majority. Right. Um, so for people to even know of like, again, to take you out of your zone mm-hmm. for this specific procedure and then to get back into it again. Is that something that's going to give you helpful information? Because then to get back in your zone is a whole other thing. Like once you're in it, you just want to stay in it. I that's remember an that. Intervention. I'm like, yeah, that's an yeah. intervention of itself is going yeah. into the bed. Yeah. Is leaving yeah. what you're doing. And so it should be an enthusiastic yes. 
Yeah. And I'm thinking of like someone in a sh- in the shower, which is in the bathroom of the labor room, and they're in their zone and they're moaning and groaning. And here I am, like, <laughs> I can imagine someone being enthusiastic about an exam if they ask me for the exam. Yeah. If they turn to me and they're like, you better freaking tell me that I'm nine or we're doing yeah. something different. And you're like, okay, yeah. yes, all right, deal, deal, deal. This is what it would include. I got to yeah. do it in the bed. So if you can get in the yeah. bed. And, and then they would be like, yes, freaking give me the exam. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it's like not often enthusiastic to pull someone out. And that is a very, mm-hmm. very good point that, yeah. that, that, that brain conversation and exactly what you've been saying this whole podcast is the, the brain conversation, getting more information, making sure we're on the same page, making sure that the patient, the consumer is in touch with their psychological emotional and physical goals mm-hmm. and remains you know remains that those are still the goals and they're still being respected and prioritized asking what information you can get really 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 getting good answers like continuing to ask yes and but what if then then what then what and then what you can get information like well, how else will I know what your cervix is when I do sign out at the end of my shift? And you're like, oh, wonderful information, not at all aligned with my physical, emotional, or psychological goals. I'm going to decline. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Awesome. Because Mm -hmm. that can be real. And the same, that that Mm -hmm. was the thought when I said in print, when you said prenatal exam, Mm -hmm. that prenatal cervical check is like, if you're watching the video, my face is like laughing about it. Cause I'm like, what is the point of a prenatal and cervical check? Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's great reason, like mm-hmm. you're preterm, you're having things that we might think is labor. Worst case it is. And here's what we can do if we know it is. Oh, whoa. Check me yesterday. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone might be like, yep, yep, yep. Say no more. But if it's not an emergency or if it's not pre, you know, preterm, or if there isn't enough evidence to, for it to feel like it's something that I enthusiastically want digging into those questions that, that we've discussed here with brain and like what next may give you the information that we're both just curious Mm -hmm. and the risks, which should be honest and clear, transparent. Is it worth the risk for the curiosity Mm -hmm. for some people? Absolutely. And for some people, hell no. (laughs) And yeah, that's like you said, the individual gets to decide. And that's the thing, right? It should always come back to that because someone just may be really cursed and want to know. And yeah. even though they know that may not, you know, right. change anything, they right. still want to know. And that yeah. is their choice. So right. they're like, I need to sleep tonight. Please yeah. just give me some numbers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's fine, whatever. And yeah. that, that should be the, the response that you get is like, yeah, I love that you made that choice. That's best for you. Great. Yeah. <laughs> And even going back, I feel like we're talking so much about cervical exams. So I feel like it it totally, yeah, goes with this. So I find sometimes the question will be, well, don't I need to have one to be able to then stay at the hospital or the birth center? Because there's this thing of like, well, you need to be at this point to be able to stay. So how would you, or like as an L&D nurse, how do you teach or kind of approach that? Could someone still stay and not have had a cervical exam? And my whole body is like going through all the things. I'm going to take a walk after we talk mm-hmm. because every time I hear 
and I know that this is the way it is. I'm in the U.S. This is the way it is, but it's not okay. We shouldn't have to consent to an internal exam through a sexual organ to get healthcare. Mm -hmm. Okay. Many places will say we won't treat you unless you do. Again, to me, that's like, ew, you should have another option. So I'll say truly, mm -hmm. honestly, I know folks who have not gotten cervical exams and had babies. Also, mm -hmm. honestly, through working with, through our work, I have had clients um, plan to go into a hospital and not have a cervical exam. And so it wasn't just like, oh, Mandy, you, you know, people have babies in their cars all the time. They don't have cerebral exams. So you can roll up and just like be pushing. Not true. So I do want to say to the folks out there who are like, I am pregnant. I have no idea how I'm going to survive having a baby and going through that. Mm -hmm. There are ways to creatively and use the privileges of you or other folks to help you through navigating the leadership in the facilities in your area, hopefully mm -hmm. to get through without being forced to have an invasive vaginal exam. And I think that we should talk about that more mm -hmm. because it's, it's wild. Like what other time in healthcare are you like, yep, sure. Bend over. Yep. You can come on in. Like what? It's like an expected event that we're going to have a baby and mm -hmm. there's still this like ticket that's required. It's just my soapbox. It's just a thing. Most places are going to say, we need to know what your cervix is and we only admit you if you're in active labor. But again, because I've been, I've been on the inside, <laughs> it's not how it is. They say that, but then they'll admit someone who's VIP and only three. Or they'll admit someone who's screaming terror. Oh my gosh, pro they're probably more because they're screaming like that, but their cervical exam was a two or a four, but we'll admit them anyways and get them pain, pain relief. Mm -hmm. And so it just doesn't add up. Like it's not, it's not so direct that yes, this always happens. Yes, it doesn't always happen. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I wish, I wish I could tell you that no, it's not required but they have like a place for you to kind of like be close and kind of like labor community, early labor community. Mm -hmm. But, you know, how, again, bottom line, they're not going to have that. They're going to say, you can walk in the parking lot or go take a walk in the park and come back when it gets worse. Mm -hmm. It's just that like potential for manipulation at that point, that potential for not being believed, mm -hmm. having to like prove the the labor so I'll say often they'll gate keep like epidurals in that way also. Like we want to mm -hmm. know what you are before you get an epidural, which is again, slimy. You shouldn't have to prove that. That's when you're hearing it now, you can go ask your provider and their team. Do you have hard rules about that? Mm -hmm. If your body has a hard rule about that, then you need to go, you know, it might be helpful to check in if they do. If they're like, oh yeah, you have to be six. Oh, well, sounds like I would be required to have a cervical exam. That can open mm -hmm. up your conversation too. Would I re be required to have a, do you require cervical exams for epidurals at your location? Mm -hmm. um, reframing some of that language might be helpful. And if they do say something that they don't normally do, you can ask them to put it in your chart. 
Mm-hmm. And who else do we need to notify? Because I want to be that, like, if you're a special case, great. Mm-hmm. Tell everyone I'm a special case and I don't want a cervical exam before an epidural. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to the nurse manager. That's another, that's another option is if you're not, if you're not quite sure. And you know, your doctor kind of, or your provider, or, or you couldn't see your provider or whatever, you can try calling your location that you'll give birth at. Hey, what do you normally do? Who can perform the exam? How many do you perform? Because mm-hmm. they might perform one and say, okay, great. You're four. We'll check you in two hours and see if you're changed. And suddenly you kind of signed up for two cervical exams. And it mm-hmm. wasn't that clear. And so now you're like, oh, well, crap. Why do I have one if I'm just going to have to have another? Mm-hmm. Or what? Yeah, you can ask the nurse. Maybe you'll get a nurse, hopefully. And you can ask them, what's it like there? Mm-hmm. Do the nurses do the exam? What happens at night? Is the on-call doctor here? What if I don't like the on-call provider? What if I'm with the midwives? How do I get in touch with them? Making sure you have a plan for that is is important for settling your mental health too. Yeah. And I think that goes back to kind of, we talked about a lot of this listeners can hear is like, it's not just about in birth. It's so helpful to be then learning, like you said, as early as you can, having the discussions in prenatal appointments. And I always tell clients like, depending where you live, you might have a a team of providers and depending who's on call or, you know, everywhere is going to be different, but I'm like, don't be afraid to repeat yourself. Yes. They're supposed to chart, but you know, things don't always get read or get communicated in the same way you said. So I was like, you can repeat the same thing to everyone on your team. Um, And to know that you're not being a burden by doing that, like providers see so many in so many patients in a day that it's one of those things of like, that you are the one most affected by your birth. Do not be afraid to repeat yourself and ask those questions. So you're not difficult. And you're, remember, you're the expert Mm -hmm. at your individual experience and no one else is the expert at what you need. And so that's a really, that's really great advice is making sure that you're still in track with those goals because no one else is going to know them. Yeah. And I want to ask one other thing about implied consent, Um, especially from your end as an L&D nurse. Like we talked about cervical exams. Again, I feel like that's a time sometimes where implied consent is kind of just there. What would be some other examples or interventions that you find um, that that happens? Oh, um, well, one of the easy ones is induction. Um, it's kind of like, well, you're on the induction track. So, you know, what's next is we break water and, and then that's when we do Pitocin and that language is just like, this is not a discussion, is it? Mm-hmm. That is implied consent. And that's not, that's not legal. That's not ethical. And that's not how it should go or feel. And perhaps, perhaps the person saying it just, you know, just didn't know how it came out, but you can get more information and should, and there's no one way to have an induction. Mm-hmm. And so the way that you have been doing pregnancy and life, I'm not sure if you consult everyone in the world first and then make your own choices, but you know, the whole like, well, this is what we normally do. That's not really what, you know, how we make choices. I'm going to need more information. And so mm-hmm. um, there's no like one track for that. We said vaginal exams, Pitocin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm the way Pitocin is used and misused often. It's such like a bear of bad news, but Pitocin is um, overused and mismanaged often and taught how to be mismanaged. I'm not saying like nurses and teams are bad. I'm a nurse, so I'm I'm here for that. But 
it is used um, more, it, it can be used more conservatively and safer and more effectively all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So with physiology, and I teach it in peanut ball classes and labor support classes with physiology and strategy. And you know, because the pelvic floor and we're all yeah. doing all a variety of interventions and support strategies, mm -hmm. less is more on the Pitocin and it can be turned off. And people are like, oh, I just thought like once I was on it, they were in charge. Nope, mm -hmm. not at all. And so that can be part of those questions. Um, and then, so we talked a little bit about prenatal testing. You know, this mm -hmm. is the time for prenatal testing. And I saw a really horrible OB on TikTok today talking about like, um, if you don't want, a, you know, to ever second guess why this bad outcome happened, then just get the test. And that was just like a gross misunderstanding of what goes into those big deal tests. Mm -hmm. There's so much emotional labor that goes into just getting the test, getting the results, what to do next, not getting them. So mm -hmm. not and not implied consent. You mm -hmm. should get that information and think, think through that and take time to think through that. And then positioning and labor, mm -hmm. right? Just like any positioning being in the bed at all is implied mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's an intervention like we said earlier mm -hmm. and it'll slow things down and it'll be more uncomfortable for some folks and it'll feel like you're trapped and it, it can feel like a lot of things so um implied positioning for pushing mm -hmm. I know you all I know your listeners hear a lot about that from you yeah it's like, uh-uh, yeah. there's no there's options. Yeah. Yes, there are many <laughs> options. Okay. And I love how much you talk about the peanut ball because we're on the same page with that too. I'm like, the peanut ball is incredible. Like so many, so many benefits to that. Um, what about in terms of around, you know, forceps, vacuum, episiotomy? That Zero implied consent ever should ever be a brought up in those same sentences they have nothing to do with each other implied mm -hmm. consent let's be clear implied consent is when in in this time for this patient population is when someone is unresponsive mm -hmm. and i'm not saying disassociated mm -hmm. i'm saying dying mm -hmm. right when someone is getting cpr that is more implied consent intervention mm -hmm. life-saving measures not in the throes of labor, mm -hmm. not, not answering. And so there's a cervical exam that happens that does not implied consent. And, and that traces back to hysterical women, not believed in healthcare. And so it has very deep roots. It's racist roots mm -hmm. in healthcare and especially in obstetrics. So that's a, that's a hard no. And mm -hmm. what we're not doing is sneaky interventions that have devastating effects on the family for generations. And that includes um, forceps, vacuum, and episiotomy. Mm -hmm. it, should, it should be so clear. And I'm saying in an emergency, there is mm -hmm. always time to be so incredibly clear about what is going on, what is recommended, how it will happen, what are your questions, answering all of your questions. Like there is always two minutes in an emergency always. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that is a good question. And that is a, that's a no. And so mm -hmm. then the family, everyone listening, every supporter in the birth mm -hmm. space can remember this and speak up. 
Mm-hmm. Whoa, 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 whoa. I just thought for just a second, we weren't going to talk about that thing that you're about to like, what's all this? Mm-hmm. Right. It's important enough to make a, make a fuss and be like, what the heck is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, that is, that is historically what has been done is emergent interventions are done to people instead of four people and four people is when it's informed consent and informed choice. And it can be a very quick, like, yes, of course, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But it still has to happen. Even if Mm -hmm. the provider gets that answer all the time, it still has to happen. Mm -hmm. I think that's helpful for people to hear that even in the emergency, right? There is, there is time. It may be a short time, but there's still time. And what would be, I feel like you've given so much amazing advice on the episode, but yeah, if, if you can narrow it down to one thing, what would you, what's a piece of advice that you would um, share with someone who is expecting? Finding a way to safely get curious about what worries you about giving birth is what I would say. Cause I feel like your listeners are like information curious, mm-hmm. super aware of their life. They're aware of how they make choices. They're bosses. They are leaders. They are badasses that are like, yes, I want to know all the information, but also like not that one thing or this always happens. So like, I can just expect it or like, those are the things that when you can do that safely, when you can find someone to help you with that education safely and supportive, that might be the ticket for your individualized care. That might be your prescription for safe psychological and emotional birth experience. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mandy. And how would our listeners, whether they are, you know, expecting, planning to expect new parents, but also professionals, how can everyone find you or work with you? Yes. Come on over to Instagram. That's where I take DMs at the birth nurse. And my website is mandyirby.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on Mandy. Ah, thank you, Anita. Bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 